Morning, Wayne. <laughs> um, I have to be honest with you this morning. Uh, Kelly called me a couple weeks ago to ask me if I could preach for him. He was going to be away this weekend, and he asked if I could preach. And you know, I, I'm always looking for the opportunity to to get up here and and practice the skill of preaching, which I need a lot of. Um, so I, I took a, a couple days to think about about this, whether I should preach today. And I looked at my week, I looked at my schedule, and uh, I was going to be away for a couple days. Every every other evening I was here, or every evening I was here was busy um, with different things happening. I just was involved in a lot of different things, so I thought, you know, it wouldn't be very wise to, to add to that. So I actually called them on a Friday morning a couple weeks ago, and I said, no. I said, thanks for the opportunity, I just, I can't do it. Immediately after I, I actually called them to say no, I went to a conference uh, in Calgary here, and I sat for two hours listening to the speaker. It was about young adults leaving the church, and um, it was one of those moments where the speaker's up there speaking. Hopefully you're not having one of those moments this morning where a guy's up there speaking and your mind is elsewhere and your heart is elsewhere. <laughs> and he was actually, he was very good. I was very intrigued, and I was kind of half listening to what he was saying, uh, but my mind and my heart was just racing and luckily, I had a pen and a paper in hand, and within those two hours, I wrote my sermon that I'm sharing with you this morning, uh, which has never happened to me before. Usually, it takes a good month of, uh, uh, of reading and, and thinking and praying to, to come up with anything I feel like I could share, and it just poured out of me. I felt like my heart was just filled overflowing with this message that I want to share with you this morning, and I called him back two hours after I had said no, and I said... Kelly had liked the opportunity, and he just kind of giggled, I think, and said, okay. Um, anyways, so that's why I'm up here this morning, you guys. I'm up here this morning because I feel like God has filled my heart with this message this morning. It's something on the last, the last couple months has been, it's already been really heavy on my heart, but it, it just all flowed out that day, and this all kind of poured out of me. I, I hope it's something that blesses and encourages you this morning. Um, a lot of you will have noticed recently if you didn't already know that Chelsea and I are having a baby, uh, we're we're due with our due to have our second child. Thank you. <laughs> we're due to have our second child here coming in February. Uh, I'm just gonna get Chelsea to stand up. Come on. Okay, you can imagine her doing it. So I was wanting her to stand up and show off her belly, but for some reason, for for some reason. That's uh, not something she wants to do. I wanted to do that for a couple different reasons, you guys. I wanted to do that for a couple different reasons. First reason was, uh, well, simply, I guess, just to show off my son. The second reason was because it's an incredible thing uh, as a parent to to have a child. And um, to just explain a little bit, I guess, as a, as a man, in case... I need to kind of explain it. As a man, I don't get to experience the feeling of having a baby inside me and knowing I'm pregnant because I'm throwing up every morning. And um, I'm kind of every different emotion you could possibly have every hour of the day. So I don't get to experience that. Um, so lately, it's been amazing to, to watch the child grow, to be able to see it, to be able to feel it kick and actually see it kick. It's incredible. And so... And there's this experience you get to go through as a parent when the baby's about 18 weeks old in the tummy, you get to go have an ultrasound. And what an ultrasound is, is a doctor taking a thing, that's my word for it, I guess, it's a thing, and it, 
the doctor gets to look in the, the tummy and you're looking at a television, you get to see the baby, pictures of it, images of it moving, its face, its toes, its, its legs, and, and the doctor's explaining it all to you because it's kind of hard to, to understand. But there comes a time where this comes up on the screen, it's kind of hard to see and it kind of looks like nothing, but um, this is the baby's heart and the doctor says, this is your baby's heart. And uh, if you're a parent who's been at your baby's ultrasound, and I don't know if this impacted you as much as it impacted me to sit there and watch my baby's heart. And that doesn't look like much there. You can see the four chambers of the heart, but when you're watching on the screen, you can see it moving, you can see it pumping. You can actually see the blood moving through the heart. And to sit there and watch your baby's heart pumping and, and sustaining your baby's life is an incredible experience. I've each time, the two times of experience this, it's completely overwhelmed me to sit and watch there. And there's a reason for that. I want to help you understand a little bit about the heart, in case we've forgotten a little bit from grade 12 biology like I have. I have some stuff written down here. Um, the average heart beats about 72 beats per minute, which means that over the next 20 minutes or so as I'm, I'm preaching here, as you're sitting here, you're not really doing anything, hopefully you're listening, um, but you're just physically not doing anything. You're sitting down. Your heart is beating 72 times each minute, which means over the next 20 minutes, each of your hearts are going to beat somewhere around 1,500 times uh, circulating blood through your body to sustain your life. As a group here this morning, maybe 250 people here this morning, um, our hearts combined are going to beat over 300,000 times in the next 20 minutes. So 300,000 times. This is what the heart does. The main, function, or sorry, the main heart function is to circulate blood through the body and lungs in, in two separate circulations. One circuit being the body, the second being the lungs. In a normal heart as above, the way the blood flows is as follows. The blood flows into the right atrium from the body via the veins that return to the heart. The right atrium then passes the blood through the tricuspid valve into the right ventricle. The right ventricle then pumps the blood through the pulmonary valve into the pulmonary arteries which go to the lungs. The blood is then oxygenated as it travels through the lungs. The oxygenated blood returns to the heart via the pulmonary veins into the left atrium. The left atrium then passes the blood through the mitral valve into the left ventricle. The left ventricle then pumps the blood through the aortic valve into the aorta arteries which go to the body and the cycle begins again. Okay, so clearly this morning, you guys, I'm not, I don't know how many, if you followed all of that, then man, I commend you for your listening and thinking skills. I didn't follow that as I read clearly, but my point this morning isn't to have you memorize or to even know specifically what the heart does, but to just know and understand and be reminded of how incredible the heart is and what it does and its importance to you living. You're sitting here, you're breathing right now because your heart is pumping 72 beats every minute, 1,500 times over the next 20 minutes so that you can live. It's always working. It's, it is essential to your life, to you continuing to live. Uh, it's just an incredible organ. <clears throat> now, I've had you focusing on, and I hope right now that you're, you're somewhat thinking about or maybe focusing on your physical heart pumping, but I'd like to, to just kind of switch your train of thought right now and parallel your physical hearts with your figurative hearts. And what I mean by figurative hearts is, is what I was saying earlier when I said uh, I was at that conference and for two hours I felt like my heart was just being filled to overflowing. What I was referring to was the deepest part of my emotion, of my being, of how I'm feeling. 
That's what I'm referring to as my heart. You know, we've come to symbolize love, the emotion of love, one of the deepest emotions we feel uh, with a heart, which doesn't really look like a heart for some reason. I don't know how that happened. But this, when I'm referring to heart and when I'm wanting to kind of direct your attentions to this morning, have you thinking about is your heart. So in other words, your goals, your ambitions, what are your hopes, what are your dreams? What is, what is it that is just deepest inside of you? Where truly is your heart this morning? Deep down, where truly is your heart? That which sustains and drives you. Uh, I want you to focus on that because I believe, I believe um, that that is what sustains our, our life, uh, much like our physical hearts does uh, or do. Your, your figurative heart is what is going to drive you to where you're going in life. Now this fall, we've been focusing on, we have a banner up here, so it's clear to see every week, we've been focusing on being followers of Christ who are led by the Spirit. And I've been incredibly blessed this fall to to be focusing on this and to just be looking at how I can be a follower of Jesus who's more led by the Spirit. And Kelly's been doing a great job of, of taking us on that journey. I hope you guys have been blessed by that as well. But I have to... I, you know, I have to be honest, um, to be up here speaking on what I'm speaking about this morning, I feel somewhat um, ill-equipped to do it, um, because as I grew up in church, and I'm sure many of you agree and feel the same way, the Holy Spirit is a confusing thing, is it not? To think of something um, like the presence of God, His, His presence in spirit, being alive in us and moving in in the world, actually understanding how that all works is incredibly confusing. I've been very confused by that through my life, or in my life, sorry. But there's been a few things. One has been scripture, and the other has been some a few incredible experiences that have helped to shape my understanding of God's Spirit and to help uh, shape my understanding of how His Spirit actually is present in my life and God's presence is alive and working through me at different periods in my life. And so I want to share those with you this morning. Um, I'm going to share with you some of the passages that have had a big impact on me in shaping um, my understanding of God's Spirit. And I'm just going to read through these for you. These are all passages that, that come to mind immediately in my head when I start thinking about the Spirit. And so I just hope that they bless you. Let's hear the Word of God. Joel 2, 28-29, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. John 14, 15-20, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under the heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. 
Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. In Acts 7, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. In Acts 8, the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. In Acts 9, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. In John 3, 8, this is the words of Jesus. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So I learned, obviously that's a lot of scripture to just just read. and uh, But there's a, a few key components that I get from these passages and the way that these passages have shaped my understanding of the Spirit. Number one is that the Spirit is, God's Spirit is a powerful, powerful thing that enables regular people to do irregular things. When people are filled with God's Spirit, often regular people, then they are able to do irregular things. And also in God's Spirit, when people are filled with, with the Holy Spirit, um, God's will is lived out in their life. And that's, that's the big thing and the big uh, big um, understanding, I guess, that I've, I've gathered from all those passages uh, is the importance of God's will being lived out in my life in order for God's Spirit to be present and living in me. And there's a few different reasons for that. I think there's been times in my life where I've struggled to feel God's presence. And I know all of us have, have experienced the same thing where it just, you know, we've had a hard time even knowing is God, is God there and you know what, I think I've had those times where I've been experiencing difficulty feeling His presence because I didn't truly want God's will for my life. And it's a hard truth for me to accept and to face that my own desires, my own hopes, and my own dreams were actually ahead of what I knew God wanted me to be doing. Um, and there's just a point where if I want God's Spirit to fill my heart, then my heart has to be empty. How can I expect God's Spirit to fill my heart if my heart's already full with my own dreams, my own goals, um, 
even just my own what's driving me when I wake up in the morning. My lack of energy, my lack of will, my own pride that gets in the way of being who he wants me to be. I have a story I want to share, and some of you might have heard it before. This happened when I was 22 years old, um, which is six years ago now, I believe. Um, so I was 22 years old, and I was uh, fired. Chelsea, actually, am I, was I 22 or 21? It really doesn't matter. Uh, I was fired from, um, I think it was probably my fifth or sixth job within two years um, at that point. And I had a, a job that I actually really enjoyed. It was, it was a call center, but compared to the jobs that I had worked at uh, throughout the, the three or four years since I graduated, this was, a, this was an okay job. It was something I could live with for a while, and I was very happy with that job, and I got fired suddenly from it, which was, wasn't anything new to me at that stage in my life. It was a stage in my life where actually I was, um, I was wanting to get back on my feet and kind of... Um, start making something of my life and doing something. And so I, I was at a crossroads in life where I needed to decide, decide what I was going to do. And clearly I needed to go to school and get some post-secondary education. And so immediately I knew exactly what I wanted to do, what I wanted to go to school for. What I wanted to do was I wanted to go to school to take my recording arts uh, degree and become a recording engineer. Because this was something I was already doing for fun with, with different bands. I was playing in a band and something that was natural to me, something I became passionate about and was really close to my heart. This is what I wanted to do with my life. And so I started looking for schools that offered recording arts degrees. And the only school I found, I was in Regina at the time, was Briarcrest Bible College, which is just outside Regina. And because of the stage of life I was in, I had to get some student loans from the government in order to pay for my recording arts degree, which meant I had to take full-time classes um, to get that loan. And so, as a result of that, I signed up for a couple uh, other classes apart from my recording arts stuff that I could use for my degree. And one of those was public speaking, which I picked thinking, well, it's not Bible, so it should be, it should be good, because I really wasn't that interested in taking Bible classes at the, that point in my life. And I went to this public speaking class. It was early January. It was minus 30 or 40 outside. Uh, I just remember it being a cold, dark morning. The trip out there was dark. And I went and I sat in my first class. First time I'd been in school for four years since high school. Sat down in this class and there's no teaching, no learning that day. The, the professor who was there just gave his testimony. Uh, he shared with us his story of being in ministry for 22 years, leading up to him now being a professor at the Bible College. And I can't explain to you um, what happened during the class. I don't even remember how it happened or why it happened or what was happening. Um, but by the time he finished class and the, the bell rang and class was over, I went up to him and I, I said, how can I, how can I go into the pastoral ministry program? I had decided within the 45 minutes of this class, as a public speaking class, not only that I was going to quit public speaking because there's no way I was going to be forced to go up and speak in front of people, which I learned was something I was going to have to do. I was like, okay, I'm dropping this class and I'm, I am going into full-time ministry. I just knew with my heart that's what I needed to do. Um, and so something happened within my heart and I can only explain it by saying God's Spirit filled it. 
And the result of God's Spirit filling my heart was that my entire life goals were changed and altered, leading me to where I am right now. And that's just, I mean, that's one of the biggest examples I can give you from my own life. Uh, just a period where God's, God's presence and God's filling was just so full, there's no other way I can explain what I was doing or how I was feeling. Why I was wanting to go into ministry, this kid who, who was um, kind of a lazy, uh, slob kind of guy. And just, you know, I, I wasn't the type of guy who you would think would amount to anything. <laughs> I, th- I like to think I've amounted to something now through God. Um, <clears throat> I want to share with you this morning a passage you're familiar with. Most of you are going to be familiar with this. And I just want to leave it up on the st- uh, screen here for you for just a moment. And I know you've read it before, and so you might think, oh, yeah, I know that one. But I just want to let you gaze on it for a moment. And kind of soak it in. And so Christ, before he ascends to heaven, turns to his apostles, his followers, people who have decided, I want to follow Christ and have been his followers. And he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is Christ's commission. It's become known as Christ's commission for us as as Christians. And God's, you know, there's a sense in which this is God's will for us as his followers. If we've decided to become followers of Christ, there's a way in which this has to be just pouring out of our hearts. This mission and this calling our hearts need to be full of desire for this, to go and make disciples of all nations, which includes our own nation. Um, when I think about this and its importance and my own ability, uh, or sorry, my own struggle to do this and to really have this be how I wake up and I, I feel every day and I have this as my mission every day, not to go out and necessarily shout the story of Jesus to everyone on the street that I see, but just to be Christ every time I can be with whoever is around me. Um, My own struggle to do that, I think, okay, this is an important thing. We need to do this. Are we doing it? I think, are we doing this as a church? And so this is what comes to mind, okay? A few weeks ago, we had Jason and Cheryl Moriarty come back, and they shared a story of their 10 years over in Papua New Guinea and the ministry that happened over there. And for, for the past 10 years, our church has uh, been supporting them doing that. And it was a great work that has been done and is continuing over there. And many people came to Christ as a result of the work. So I think, yes, we're, we're doing that. And Ukraine, we have Jadon Rogers and his wife over in the Ukraine. And we've been supporting him over there and his ministry. And people are coming to Christ because he's there sharing Christ with people. And... We, I don't know how many of you are aware that we actually financially support the church in Lloydminster. It's a small congregation who is able to survive because, because we're, able, we're, we're helping them financially. It's a great work that we're doing. We're looking outward. We're looking at how we can help other people in the world come to know Christ. So yes, we're doing it. You, 
a lot of you won't know about this opportunity and this ministry that's just starting in our church. And Chelsea and I, I guess this can be the announcement that we're, we're going to Estonia this summer on a short-term mission trip uh, through Let's Start Talking. Chelsea and I went and took training, and we have a heart right now for training not just young people, hopefully a lot of young people, but also some of the older people uh, as well, the older-than-teens people, um, on these short-term missions and training them. And if, if you want to know more about it, then please talk to me anytime or Chelsea. Um, or you can look in the bulletin. There's more information in there. Um, but every summer, we're hoping every summer to be able to uh, train teams to go on these short-term missions. And uh, that I, ho- I hope will, and I know it's going to be an incred- not just an incredible blessing to our church, to those who are going, but to the people who are going over there and we're reading scripture with and sharing our faith with. So I think, yes, we're doing it. Um, but I think what gets, what gets forgotten, what's missing, I always just feel there's something missing. You know, we're, our church does a lot in, in missions, uh, and it's an incredible work, and God is, is blessing that, I think, and blessing us for it. Um, but something is forgotten if that's all we're doing. And I think what's forgotten is the people that are around us every day. It's the people here in Calgary. If our attachment, if my attachment to making disciples of all nations is even just supporting the missions that are happening. What, you know, if that's a great thing that I'm doing. But uh, the people who are around me each day are, are being forgotten. And I don't feel like I'm truly living out what Christ has, has called me to do. I think a better question that I need to be asking myself, and I, I try to do this and I fail a lot of the time, so I have to be honest in saying that. I need to be asking myself, am I doing this? Not, I think, you know, our tendency is usually to, to ask, you know, are they doing it or um, are we doing it? And the attention is on other people, focuses on other people. And I know this is a challenge, um, but I do want to challenge you to, to ask that question of yourselves this morning, um, simply because it's what, what Scripture has taught us, um, to ask yourself the question, am I doing this? Um, <clears throat> You know, there's people all around us every day, and I know you guys are aware of this, but uh, I feel like even though you're already aware, I want it to be spoken, uh, that there's people all around you each day as you're at work, as you're, um, you know, as you're, even as you're driving in the car down Deerfoot, or as you're, if you're at the grocery store um, on your hockey team or whatever you're doing, we are surrounded by hundreds even hundreds of thousands of people here in Calgary who don't know Jesus Christ, who, who are living in pain and sorrow without, without any hope in darkness. We're, just, we're surrounded every day we leave our home. Each day as we're in our home, the neighbor next to us in the house, the neighbor across the street in that house, are living without the hope of Christ. And I just want to share a little bit quickly um, about what I mean by the hope of Christ. And uh, it's an incredible thing, you guys. I lose touch of how incredible this is often, but it's an incredible thing to be saved by Christ. Amen? Is it not incredible to have the hope of salvation from Jesus Christ, to have a relationship with the creator of our universe, to be able to speak 
to the creator of our universe whenever we want, to have his presence in us, the powerful presence of God working through us, is an incredible thing. And I, you know, sometimes I stop and I think, why, why can I not share this more? How can I keep this to myself? Part of the, the problem is I'm not living for God's will. I'm living for my own. And my pride, my own comfort gets in my way. And if my eyes are focused on God's will, and my heart is focused on God's will, then I see people differently. I see the people all around me everywhere each day differently. I see them as people who are created by God. They're God's creation. And they need to have what I am experiencing and able to have through Jesus Christ. And they need to know that. And I'm not speaking or referring to we need to invite people to church. That's a great thing to do. I'm, I'm more speaking to we need to invite people into our homes, invite people out for lunch. We need to let people see who we are and let them share in the experience of what it is like to live under God's grace and with God's presence among us. I just have to, uh, before I continue, I do have to commend and encourage those. I know there's many here, and I've seen you be the salt and the light you need to be in the world. You know, there are people in this room that are actually here because some of you others who are here were the salt and the light that you needed to be. You were you were sharing who Jesus is with other people, and so there, there this is happening among us. But my challenge this morning is for, for you, for all of us, is to do more. My message to you this morning is that there is so much more that we can be doing. There's more to do. And there's a song called God of the City. You'll have the lyrics in the bulletin for this song. It's a song I was made aware of a couple uh, months ago this spring. And it's written by a band called Blue Tree. And I wanted to share this song with you this morning because, um, you know, as you hear it this morning, as you read those words, really what I'm trying to share this morning, what I'm trying to help fill your hearts with this morning is perfectly, not just written, but expressed in this song and the way that it's sung. And so in a moment, I'm gonna, we're going to watch a couple videos. Wayne's going to come up and close us in prayer. Um, the first video is him sharing his story. I'm going to explain the story a little bit because he's, he's from Northern Ireland in Belfast. He's got a very thick accent, so it's kind of hard to understand. I want to make sure we all catch the story. It's an incredible story to how this song was written. There's a, there's a bunch of Christians in a small church, Belfast, Ireland, and they were, they were sent on a mission to Paday, I think it's called, Thailand. I don't know how to pronounce it. This, the city in Thailand, which is, is, uh, some of the experiences they had there were, and he doesn't say this in the video, but witnessing nine to twelve year old girls being sold, uh, for sex in the streets. This is a dark city they've gone to. It's, it's just a terrible place. And they're, they're there on a mission trip, and somehow through a friend who knows a friend who owns a, a brothel, 
they, they found out, this owner found out, oh, you're a band from Ireland. Can you come play in my bar? And so they're like, okay, we're a worship band. <laughs> I don't know if he knew they were a worship band or not. So they end up in this brothel in Thailand and near the center of the sex trade industry in our world. And they're playing a worship set. They're playing these worship songs and singing about Jesus and God. And they look out and they see on the street these tourists, many North American British um, tourists that are kind of just stopping, looking in the window, thinking, what are you what are you singing this for? What are you doing here? Just utterly confused. And then this song came out, God of the City. And I'm going to let him explain. And he's going to actually play it for us. But before we watch it, I just want to, you know, there's a reason why I like us to just kind of sit here and be able to hear this. I want this, I'd like for this to be a charge for you this week and to be something that is a a commissioning for you as you leave here today, as you wake up tomorrow and start your week. I just, I really hope that the words, the melody to this song are still playing in your minds, more importantly in your hearts. And just be thinking about the message of this song this week. This sums up everything that God filled my heart with better than I could put into words. So we'll watch that now. We are from a church in Belfast. We get asked by our missions pastors in the church, uh, do you want to go to Thailand? And our guys being our guys are like, yeah, no hassle. We're in. Pattaya is probably the most openly and in-your-face sex, tourist, capital, whatever you want to call it, of the planet. So uh, we ended up playing in a brothel. And by someone who knew someone who knew someone else or whatever it was, we ended up playing in a bar called the Climax Bar, and the deal was that we we had we had to bring a whole load of Christians with us who would all buy Coca-Cola, and we would have the ability to play a two-hour set in the middle of this bar. And I can remember looking out over my left shoulder and and seeing just I don't know whether or not it was British tourists or whatever, but I can remember just looking out, and here they are in the middle of the street, and they're just hearing these Jesus songs blasting out. And uh, there was just a pile of them just standing outside the door. And they were just looking. And I, I would love to know what's going on in their heads. You know, just wondering, what the heck are these guys singing Jesus songs for in the middle of this street? And I just began to sing out what I believed God was saying over that city. I just began to say that, you know, God is God of this city. He's the king of these people. He's the Lord of this nation. And they don't know that. They don't know that. And, uh, and the song was born. And the song moved from... It came out of this, just this loop that started to play, a real minor downbeat loop, and uh, and it just majored up into this like anthem of the night that just said, "Greater things have yet to come, and greater things have still to be done in this city." Really, probably the biggest moment in my life that changed my life was the moment that that God of the City was actually written that point when that song was formulated what is the church on a global scale doing to actually combat things which exist in our planet that are completely wrong whether it's child soldiers prostitution in your own city homeless in your own city anything what's going on what is the church doing 
we should be the pioneers. We need to understand that we have an authority, that we have an authority that comes from Christ, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in every single one of us. And that we actually need to have an attitude of going out and serving the world with just with love, you know, and actually living out the Great Commission. God of this city, you're the king of these people, you're the lord of this nation, you are, you're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are, for there is no one like our God, there is none like you, God. Greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. The creator of all things You're the king above all kings You are You're the strength in the weakness You're the love to the broken You're the joy in the sadness You are There is no one like Still to be done in this 
Still to be done. Still to be done.